The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike. This is Don Wilson, friends. How do you feel about it? Isn't smoking enjoyment the main thing you want from your cigarette? Well, just remember this. Smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Now, freshness is especially important. And you'll be glad to know that every pack of Lucky Strike is extra tightly sealed to bring you Lucky's better taste in all its natural freshness. Light up a Lucky and see for yourself how much fresher, how much better it does taste. Luckies just have to taste better. In the first place, they're made with fine tobacco. Fine, naturally mild, good-tasting tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Secondly, Luckies are made better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. All this means better taste. Yes, smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Luckies taste better. So be happy, go lucky. Get better taste and get it fresh with Lucky Strike. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike, Lucky Strike. Program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight Jack Benny does another of his television programs with his guest star, Liberace. But meanwhile, I'd like to take you back to last Wednesday. After rehearsal, Bob Crosby, Dennis, and Jack dropped in at the corner drugstore for a bite to eat. Hey, fellas, our regular table over there is empty. Yeah, come on, Dennis. Okay. Well, I'll get the waitress, and we'll order. Oh, miss? Miss? What do you want, Mac? <laughs> hmm. We'd like to place our order. Okay, here's the menu. Thanks. Now, let's see. I don't know what I want. Hmm. I think I'll have the hash. The hash? That's right. Okay. One order of leftovers for a gambler. <laughs> Never mind, waitress. Cancel the order. Throw it back in the pail. Gee, I don't know what to have. Hurry up, Mac. I ain't got all day. Now, don't rush me. What kind of a looking table is this, anyway? There's a half-lit cigarette in the ashtray, there are fingerprints all over the plate, and there's lipstick on my water glass. What are you, a customer or a Boston Blackie? <laughs> now, look, I don't want any of your sarcasm. Just bring me a ham sandwich and a cup of coffee. Okay. Say, I'll have the same and a glass of orange juice and make sure that it's Minute Maid. 
get made orange juice? Well, I'm helping out a relative who's not doing too well. <laughs> well, what do you know? All right, Dennis, what are you going to have? Well, let's see. Uh, I'll have the chopped liver, the matzo ball soup, and the kafulta fish. <laughs> okay. One Pat O'Brien special. <laughs> Dennis, what are you going to have to drink? Oh, I'll have a Charlton malt milk with uh, five eggs in it. Five? Dennis, how come you want so many eggs? I know a hen that's not doing too well. <laughs> now cut that off! Miss, just get our orders. Okay. Say, Jack, are you going up to Pebble Beach and playing my brother Bing's uh, pro amateur golf tournament? Oh, I may, Bob, if my game keeps improving. I've been doing uh, pretty well lately. I think golf's a silly game. Oh, you do, Dennis? Well, let me ask you something. If it's such a silly game, why are people like Ben Hogan, Sammy Sneed, Lloyd Mangrum, and Fred Womper playing it? Because they can't sing. <laughs> well, I'll show you how ridiculous that is, Dennis. Bing Crosby is a good golfer, and he's one of the greatest singers in the country. Then how come he has to sell orange juice? <laughs> Be quiet. I don't know why I get into these conversations, but with you before I eat. Here's your grub, fellas. Uh, thanks. And the boss sent this over with the compliments of the house. Gee, a new bottle of ketchup. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Do you want anything else? No, that'll be all, miss. Okay. Gee, she's a charming girl. I wonder how she'd look in an ermine bathing suit. <laughs> hey, fellas, why don't we have some music while we eat? There's a jukebox right over there. Oh, swell. Anybody got change for a quarter? Well, I have. Good. Go put a nickel in. <laughs> now, wait a minute. How about you putting a nickel in for a change? Well... Go ahead, Mr. Benny. Put a nickel in. But everyone in the store will hear the record, won't they? Well, so what? Well, that doesn't seem fair. Watch I put in a nickel, a whole bunch of total strangers can listen to oh. <laughs> What's the difference, Jack? Go ahead, be a sport. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, here's the Bell Sisters' latest record. Gee, there are two of them. Wait a minute, here's one by the Ink Spots. That's a trio. Boy, look at this, the Fred Waring Choir. Now, there's a buy. <laughs> Say, Mr. Benny, one of my records is on it. Yeah, Jack, play that. A solo? <laughs> well, okay, here goes. In the 
that wonderful moment Something happened to my heart So I'll keep changing partners Till you're in my arms And then, oh my darling I will never change partners again Well, record, Dennis. You'll have to do it on the show sometime. Yeah. Well, let's get out of here, huh? Okay. Who gets the check this time? It's, it's your, your turn. turn. Oh, yes. Miss. Miss, I'll take the check. Here you are. Hmm. Well, pick it up. It ain't radioactive. <laughs> Look, don't be funny. Here. You can keep the change. Telephone call for Jack Benny. Telephone call for Jack Benny. Oh, excuse me, fellas. It's in the second booth. Oh, thank you. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. Rochester, how'd you know I was here at the drugstore? I called CBS. They told me you were out to lunch, and I had a hunch it wasn't Romanoff. <laughs> well, what'd you call me for, Rochester? I thought I'd better. You had a phone call from Mr. Liberace. Oh, yes. He's going to be a guest on my television program. Uh, what did Liberace want? Well, he said he knew it was highly irregular, and he doesn't want all his salary in advance, but would you be able to give him $100 of it immediately? $100? I guess so, if it's urgent. What does he need the money for? Toothpaste! <laughs> okay, I'll give it to him. And Rochester, when he plays the piano on my TV show, I'm going to play my violin. So you better get it ready. I did, boss. I took it out of the case and one of the strings is broken. Well, I have to pass the music store, so I'll pick up the string myself. And that ain't all that's wrong with your violin. What else? It's full of termites. Termites in my violin? That's awful. How can I get rid of them? Play it! Play it! <laughs> Never mind. I'll think of something. Goodbye. Goodbye? Oh, say, boss. Now what? There were a couple of other messages. Your dentist and your barber called. What'd they say? They're both ready. You can pick them up. <laughs> Okay. 
I'll see you when I get home. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, sorry it took so long, fellas. Well, I'm going on to Beverly Hills. Anybody want to lift? Uh, not me, Jack, really. I think I ought to go back to the studio and run over a couple of numbers with the orchestra. Say, I want to go to Beverly Hills, too. Can I ride with you? Sure, Dennis. Let's go. My car's across the street. <laughs> it's a little cool out today, isn't it, Dennis? Yeah. Say, Mr. Benny, can't we go a little bit faster? What do you mean, faster? We're in Beverly Hills already. We've made every light. That one on La Brea changed three times before we got through it. <laughs> well, that's a wide street. <laughs> we made good time. Well, if you don't mind, I'll get off here. Okay. I'll see you later. I gotta get home. Wait a minute, Dennis. If you want to go home, why'd you come all the way out here to Beverly Hills? You live in the opposite direction. I know, but this way I get a longer ride on the bus. <laughs> But Dennis... Goodbye, Mr. Benny. I, I can't understand Dennis. That kid drives me nuts. Maybe I ought to hire a singer who's a little more sensible. Then if he had more sense, he'd want more money. That would drive me nuts, too. Yeah, I'm better off the way I am. Well, there's the music store. Oh, 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 here's a parking place. <laughs> Gee, I'm lucky here's one, too. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I can get in that space there. I'll have to back in. What? Hey, why don't you watch where you're going? It's reckless drivers like you who are a menace. Don't holler at me. It was your fault. My fault? Well, it must have been. I was parked. <laughs> what? You're the one who got chummy. <laughs> I ought to have you arrested. Oh, well, now, don't make a federal case out of this. Look at the way you scratch my car. What are you complaining about? You put a dent in my fender. How can you tell? <laughs> oh, a smart aleck, eh? Well, for your information, I've never had an accident. I've been driving this car for 25 years. You bought it secondhand, huh? <laughs> what? The dealer's name is still on it. Honest Geronimo. <laughs> well, I'm not going to stay here and argue with you. I got things to do. Uh-oh. I forgot to put some money in the parking meter. Hmm. The meter says expired. Let's see, I got 12... I get 12 minutes for a penny. It'll take me about three minutes to walk to the store. About three minutes back. That's six minutes. Five minutes to get waited on. That's 11. The store may be crowded, so I better allow for another five minutes. That'll be 16 minutes. Well, there's no use rushing. I'll put in two pennies. (laughs) 
Well, I got my violin string. I'm sure glad it was the A string that broke. I'm always so embarrassed when I have to go into a store and ask for a G string. <laughs> Hmm, look at that headline in the newspaper. Entire East covered by heavy blizzard. Yeah, I feel sorry for the people back in New York. They have 10 inches of snow. Here in Los Angeles, all we had was some rain, sleet, hail, thunder, lightning, and an earthquake. <laughs> All in 15 minutes, too. <laughs> I don't want a ricochet romance. I don't want a ricochet <laughs> I don't want a ricochet romance. Gee, <laughs> look what's playing here at the Warner's Theater. The Eddie Cantor story. I hear it's a swell picture. It opened Christmas Day, and it's still playing here. Sometime this week, I'm going to come hey, down Jack! And... Jack! Huh? Oh, Don! Now, what are you doing here? Well, the sportsman and I just came out of the theater. We saw the Eddie Cantor story. Oh, hello, fellas. Hmm. Hmm. How'd you like the picture, Don? Really wonderful, Jack. Wonderful. In fact, I liked it so much that on the way out of the theater, I stopped and congratulated Cantor. Eddie Cantor? Is he in there watching the picture now? He's been there since Christmas. Well, what do you know? I must tell you, Jack, I'm certainly glad I went in to see the picture because it gave me an idea for a musical number the quartet can do on the program. Which one, Don? Sing it, fellas! Wait a minute, wait a minute, Don! How can they sing out here in front of the theater without any musical accompaniment? Well, now, don't worry about that, Jack. Don't worry. That number comes in the picture in exactly four seconds. What? One... Two, Don. Three, but Don, out on the four, street. Four, there it goes. But Don, out on the street. Man, I don't want him singing out on the Susie street. Here. Like I know it's Susie. embarrassing. Oh, 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 what a girl. There's none so classy as this fair lassie. Oh, 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 my goodness, what a chassis. We went riding. She didn't fall back from Yonkers. Oh, I'm the one that had to walk. If you knew Susie like I. Like we know luckies. Oh, 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 what a smoke. Like our friend Eddie, you smoke them steady. Oh, oh, pass those luckies, we are ready. They taste better, really they do. Fresh and smoother, luckies are the smoke for you. They even please Susie, and she's real choosy. Oh, oh, what a smoke. They're made much better, Terran. away from Don and that quartet. Imagine them singing out on the street like that. I didn't mind them doing Eddie Cantor's song, but Don looked so silly hopping around clapping his hands. 
Well, here's my car. I might have... Hey, what's that on... Oh, for heaven's sakes, a parking ticket. This is ridiculous. I haven't been gone over 12 minutes. The meter says expired, but there must be something wrong with it. Well, they're not going to get away with it. I'm going to call the Beverly Hills Police Department and find out about this. I'll go in this drugstore here. There's the phone booth. I wonder what the number is. I'll call information. Information? Say, miss, I want the number of the police department. The Los Angeles Police Department is Michigan 5211. No, no, miss, I want the Beverly Hills Police Department. I'm sorry, that's an unlisted number. Well, thank you anyway. Well, if I can't get them on the phone, I'll go over there. Well, here it is. The Beverly Hills Police Station. What a swanky place. See, marble staircase, stained glass windows. Look what it says on the door. Booking department. <laughs> Fingerprints by appointment only. Well, here's the traffic bureau. Miss, I'd like Sit to... Sit down, please. Thank you. Miss, I'd like you to... You want to complain about a traffic ticket. Uh, now, before we go any farther, let me get your record out. What's your name? Jack Benny. 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 Oh, here it is, Jack Benny. Say, we haven't gotten anything out of you for a long time. <laughs> hmm. The last entry was 25 years ago. 25 years ago? Yes. You were charged with assault and battery by Honest Geronimo. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, let's see. I'll bring this card up to date. Yeah. Uh, at that time, you lived at 366 North Camden Drive. It's still the same address. Though. I see. And your occupation was listed as comedian. Hmm. It's still the same. Mm-hmm. And your weight was 160 pounds. Uh, it's still, still the same. And your age was... Still the same. <laughs> now, let's see. A color of eyes. Oh, yes, they're still blue, aren't they? Well, frankly, I've never noticed. <laughs> now, look, miss. Uh, one moment, please. Hello? Yes, chief. Yes, that man was in and he paid his fine. Yes, that's right, $50, and he said it would never happen again. Goodbye. A $50 fine? What was it for? Driving through Beverly Hills with a top down. Well, what's so terrible about going through Beverly Hills with a top down? He was driving a garbage truck. <laughs> now, miss, about this ticket of mine... Now, I happen to know that the meter where I was parked was definitely fast. And I don't think it's now, fair... Now, look, mister, I can't settle this. If you want to see the judge, that's up to you. Well, I do. Well, then you'll have to wait in the next room with everybody else. All right. Gee, what a bunch of characters. I better sit down and... Hey, there's Rimley. Oh, Frankie! Frank! Hmm, what's the matter with me? It's only his picture on the wall. 
Well, I might as well sit down. Uh, pardon me, sir. Would you mind if I sit next to you? Uh, not at all. In fact, I'd appreciate it. Appreciate it? Why? I'm a pickpocket. <laughs> a pickpocket? Oh, you got nothing to worry about. You ought to pin it to your underwear type if I ever saw one. <laughs> Tell me, chum, what did they nab you for? I was over-parking. Oh. Well, you like Judge Bailey. I was up before him last month for sentencing. What'd you get? 30 days, his watch, his gavel, and a pocket edition of the Kinsey Report. <laughs> you mean you spent 30 days in the Beverly Hills jail? Oh, yeah. They had me in solitary. Well, that must have been pretty tough. You said it. Nothing but bread and champagne. Champagne? Domestic. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Mr. Benny, Mr. Jack Benny. Yes, miss. You're next. Right this way to Judge Bailey's chambers. Okay. Good luck. Thanks. He keeps his wallet in the left hand. I don't care! <laughs> Your Honor, I ordinarily don't make trouble, but I'd like to protect... Well, it's you again. <laughs> you? You're the judge? Well, who do you think I am in this black robe? Mandrake the magician? <laughs> what? When you said don't make a federal case out of it, you were talking to the man who could. <laughs> but, Your Honor... Quiet. I'm ready to pass sentence. That'll be $52. $52? Wait a minute, it's only $2 for a parking ticket. What's the extra $50? You had your top down. What's that got to do with it? You mean that thing isn't a garbage truck? <laughs> garbage truck? Now, wait a minute, Your Honor. I'm a citizen of Beverly Hills. I've lived here for 25 years. I'm a taxpayer, and I know my rights. I'm not going to pay any $52, and you try to find me that much, I'm going to take it up with... I will be back in a minute to tell you about my television show, which goes on immediately after the program on the CBS network with my guest star, Liberace. But first, a word from the sweetheart of Lucky Strike. This is Dorothy Collins. Hi, everybody. You know, smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And friends, the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. One important reason for this is LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, naturally mild good-tasting tobacco. And second, Lucky's are made better. They're made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. Golly, that's the whole thing in a nutshell. Truly fine tobacco in a better-made cigarette. That's the whole Lucky Strike story. That's why you can be sure, sure every time you open a pack of Lucky's, that you'll enjoy a better-tasting smoke. For smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. They're cleaner, fresher, smoother. Pick up a pack or two next time you buy cigarettes. Be happy. Go Lucky. You'll agree, Lucky's taste better. 
Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky's strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky strike. Lucky strike. Ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned before, tonight I'm going to have Liberace on my television show. And we're going to try to get him to play the piano. And he's going to try to get me to play the violin. This is going to be one of the most trying programs you've ever watched. <laughs> but watch it anyway. Good night, folks. The Jack Benny Show tonight was written by Milt Josephsberg, John Packerberry, Hal Goldman, Al Gordon, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. The Jack Benny Program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. to bring to you the co-presidents of the what is the afternoon fine arts league Daisy and Mindy in Cove Sporter's great number Friendship Maestro If you're ever Howdy, everyone. We have a great Phil Harris and Alice Faye episode today called Phil's Band Turns to Drama. And <laughs> this one actually brought back memories for me uh, because at some point, Phil decides he's going to rewrite Shakespeare. <laughs> and I did that in college <laughs> because I had to, well... Othello is uh, one of Shakespeare's plays that's often read, and I'd read it in high school, and then I had to reread it for college, and I was not in the mood for a tragedy, and Othello is a tragedy, so for one of my assignments, we kind of got free reign to pick how we wanted to do it, so I decided to rewrite Othello and give it a happy ending. <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> of course I did. I like happy endings. But when I, I remember I told my brother, you know, Brad, when I that I was going to do this, and he was, he just looked at me and was like, you don't rewrite Shakespeare. And I'm like, I'm doing it. And he's like, you don't rewrite Shakespeare. And I'm like, I'm doing it. <laughs> and then even my teacher wrote on my paper, gets to move to rewrite Shakespeare. <laughs> I think I got like a, 
a B or an A minus on the paper. So I was like, hey, it worked. <laughs> so this this one was a fun one for me to listen to just because of that aspect and the and the memory it brought back. And um, yeah, I think I still have that Othello play somewhere <laughs> hanging around my rewrite of it. <laughs> Now, see, that's the kind of Shakespeare I could read. <laughs> I can read any Shakespeare, but that let me rephrase this. I could actually enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's one aspect of this show that I enjoyed. Um, was, it, was there anything in it that kind of stood out to you? Well, the drama quartet... Uh, I think is how he referenced it. And it's just spoken literature paired with classical music or some kind of instrumental music. And, oh, uh-huh. you know, and he's kind of discussing with the band that, you know, this is a great idea because <laughs> we can make, you know, money that way and get ourselves and whatever. And uh-huh. I was kind of, I, I was trying to think if there's anything it, that I had ever listened to that was like that. And then I, because I'm thinking that sounded somewhat kitschy, like it isn't really something that happens very often, but that's not true. Uh-huh. <laughs> because I was at work uh, months ago, and one of those days where I needed to pick me up, and I, uh-huh. I'm a big fan of the British actor Benedict Cumberbatch. We both are. Yeah. Because <laughs> he has this rich, beautiful voice. And yes. there was just some random videos of him reading, you know, poems, you uh-huh. know, Byron, stuff like this. And people had paired it with, you know, Beethoven or, uh (laughs) you know, Mozart and stuff like that. And it it ended up being so, like, pleasant. And it was a very sensual experience, all of these great, rich sounds coming together. And I was like, anyway, and that just kind of popped in my head. I'm like, oh, wait, no, that's that's still going on. And it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, a wonderful idea. (laughs) Yes, when it's done well, it's just beautiful <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah i've i think i listened to a couple of those recordings myself and they are very yeah <sighs> very nice i may have sent them to you like here <laughs> heaven <laughs> <laughs> yes so uh it i i enjoyed that i i think this one really focused a lot, I think, on the band, especially, you know, mm-hmm. at the beginning where they're practicing together. And that was kind of fun to, to because the, you don't always get the band in there as much as it was today. So it was kind of fun to uh, hear how they handled the band. And I think it's funny that they're always poking fun of the band and how it plays because... I mean, I always like the way the band plays, but I'm not a musical person. And obviously, they really, they actually are a good band. But I think it's, it's amusing that they're, they make fun of it as if it's not. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, they sound great. I, I actually had to stop listening halfway through because I was getting ready for uh, an interview. So I was like, eh, I should probably pick out an outfit while I'm listening to this anyway. <laughs> And, uh, you know, because I care so much about interviews, uh, apparently. But uh, I actually was, like, still singing the song that, you know, Phil sings. And I didn't even realize it because it's so catchy. Oh, yeah. I was, I was singing it to my cast and they're just like, stop. Just, we don't know what's going on. Just stop. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't want to go to the movies. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I really enjoyed listening to them play. I thought they were great. Yeah. And it reminded me of the like one week that I was in a band. My friends and I thought this was a great idea uh-huh. because one liked to play drums, one liked to play guitar. And they're like, Mindy, you write, you can write our songs and we can <laughs> sing, you can sing. And I'm like, no, I can't. And so we actually had one weekend where we're like, let's do this. <laughs> and we're, we're actually the bad band that Phil accuses his of being. <laughs> Because we couldn't take it seriously. We just started laughing. Like, what are we doing? We don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Particularly if I'm supposed to lead with singing, it's not going to (laughs) happen. I just start giggling and it just all disintegrated. And yeah, my one week in a band. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like me. Although you got one step farther than I ever get. Like some of my friends and I were always ever going to make like a little band or something. And uh, (laughs) One day at work, we found we found out that like four of us all played the ukulele, so we were going to make a ukulele band. <laughs> <laughs> but it never got past the talking stage. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah, but I'm mean, deny the world a ukulele quartet. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, this this episode for me was fun because it uh, reminded me of something that I keep hearing about but I never looked up so I finally did is the song John Brown's Body and mm-hmm. cause they, they mention it and I keep hearing that mentioned every now and then and i always forgetting what it is and so I finally <laughs> looked it up and it's actually uh, it's from the time of the Civil War it's a Union uh, marching song about John Brown, the abolitionist, and, you know, depending on what point of view you're coming at, you can see him as either a terrorist or a freedom fighter kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of have a hard time with him because he, I mean, anytime, anytime you have the word massacre associated with you, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's taken it too far. Um, but he was an abolitionist, and so the Union Army came up with a song and called it John Brown's Body and there are so many different versions of it and what I thought was interesting is that you know some people being uneasy with the lyrics decided to you know rewrite them and one of the more famous versions that grew out of that was the the battle hymn of the republic (laughs) Oh, uh-huh. and I and I didn't realize that, and I loved that song. So I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> um, so I I was glad this episode kind of reminded me of that, and I could really look it up and be like, "Oh, that's what that's all about." So it's kind of fun. <laughs> it helps you think about history a little bit, and. <laughs> uh. So I know I pick up on weird things on episodes. No. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, and then the other thing that I saw thought was cool is at the very end they talk about the Big Brother program of America. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I several different episodes of the Phil Harrison Alice Faye show, they've talked about different things like like this like I've heard them do public service announcements so to speak about driving safely you know mm-hmm. or um, fighting infantile paralysis and, and this this week it's, it was the Big Brother program 
Mm-hmm. And I believe today it's called the Big Brothers Big Sisters of America program. Right. And uh, it's, I, I read about it just a little bit, and it seems like it's a really great program. And I, I didn't realize that it's, it's, it went back that far, so to speak, you know, in history. I, I'm not even sure when it started, but do you happen to know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know when it started. I, I but I know Yeah, I noticed he said Big Brothers, and then I was like, I was waiting for him to say in Big Sisters because that's how I yeah. hear it now. <laughs> yeah, um, back then I think they kind of focused on the Big Brothers, but it's sure. Yeah. And, um, that's what I would expect back then. But yeah. um, yeah, I was surprised like you that it went back that far. So, but I, I think it's cool that they did. Um, you know the public service announcements like that, and they were they were, you know, really working to help America in general become a better place by supporting all these different causes, or even encouraging people to be safe with their driving and, and things mm-hmm. like that. I, I mean, I I just think it's it was a great way for them to combine humor with. Uh, public service announcement I think mm-hmm. that was just a good combination and I just really liked it <laughs> that's my long way of saying awesome <laughs> <laughs> well no I, I was looking up as you were talking uh, it looks like 1903 the Big Brothers was founded by Urban Westhelmer oh wow uh, formed the start of Big Brothers in Cincinnati I'm from near Cincinnati so extra pride <laughs> for me <laughs> reading that that's nice that's so, awesome. Yeah, it's, I it's had no idea it went back that far. Years. That's cool, and it's still going on today. So, right, and that's it's wonderful. And, and now the, uh, you know, some the big sporting, professional sports programs they support it too. I uh-huh. think the NFL is heavily involved in it, yeah. or used to be, um, National Football League. Um, so yeah, that's that's interesting. Oh. Good to know. Local, <laughs> local connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and just a little bit that I was looking up, it seems like there are um, branches pretty much everywhere. So mm-hmm. you can probably type in Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America mm-hmm. and your city or the nearest big city to you and find a, a branch. And Yeah. <laughs> yep, all 50 states and in 12 countries. So it's expanded worldwide. That's nice. <laughs> oh, nice. That is awesome. Very cool. Cool. Well, we've probably talked long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is a fun episode with the band and everything and <laughs> did we mention which play they rewrote let's not mention it we'll let them find sure. out and enjoy but it's a well-known one so you should get a kick out of it all right everyone thanks for listening and enjoy the show ciao rca victor world leader in radio first in recorded music and first in television presents the phil harris alice faye show Enjoyment here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, transcribed, written by Jack Douglas and Marvin Fisher, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, John Hubbard, Janine Bruce, Anne Whitfield, the orchestra under the direction of Skip Martin, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. First, a word from RCA Victor. 
announcing the world's most wanted 21-inch television at the lowest price in history, the Master 21 by RCA Victor. 25 million American families helped RCA Victor build the Master 21. From TV owners everywhere, we've gotten the facts on what you want in a television set. First, 21-inch television. Second, table model television. Third, a simple cabinet. Fourth, clear, strong, steady pictures. That's what you said you want, and that's what you get in RCA Victor's new Master 21. 21-inch table model TV with television's finest pictures. You get the chassis with the same powerful picture performance that in test after test, rated higher than sets costing many dollars more. You get the magic monitor, rotomatic tuning, golden throat fidelity sound. The price? As little as $199.95. How can RCA Victor deliver such value at such low cost at so low a price? The answer is found in two words. RCA Victor, know-how. RCA Victor Research, the greatest in the industry, joins with RCA Victor Production, also the greatest in the industry, to bring you this low-priced quality receiver that sets a new standard of value. See the new Master 21 at your RCA Victor dealers now. Only $199.95. And remember, every year, more people buy RCA Victor than any other television. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, somewhere in this great land of ours, Professor Leopold Stikowski is rehearsing a concerto for woodwinds. And perhaps in some other concert hall, Arturo Toscanini is putting the finishing touches on a symphony. While here in California, another famous musical conductor is creating still another kind of music. many times do I have to tell you? Smoother and sweeter. Now, take it again. One, two. That's it. <laughs> That's what I mean, smoother and sweeter. <laughs> ah, that was beautiful, fellas. Just exquisite. <laughs> okay, fellas, take five. Hey, and remember, no cooking on the bandstand. <laughs> hey, Elliot, I didn't hear no guitar in that last bash. Why weren't you playing? Curly, I can't do four or five things at once. You made me the bookkeeper. I've been looking over the books. Oh, yeah, yeah, not a bad idea. How do we stand financially, money-wise? <laughs> <laughs> well, it all depends on how you look at it. Your financial situation is a matter of your mental attitude. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> 
Well, let's put it this way. If you want to retire, you got just enough money to live until tomorrow noon. Hey, wait a minute. Now, give me a breakdown on this. Well, the last dance we played was over a month ago. Yeah, where was that? Well, you remember that society affair? It was the harvest moon ball of the Fresno grape crushers. You remember you picked the queen of the grape crushers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was beautiful. I'll never forget the way she was dressed. A slinky black evening gown, black silk stockings, and soggy saddle shoes. (laughs) Hey, but Elliot, we must have made quite a hunk of loot from that dance job. Where's the entry in them books? Don't you remember, Curly? They pulled a fast one on us. We ain't get no money. They paid us off in grapes. (laughs) Five crates of them. Well, where are the grapes now? That's a very interesting question. (laughs) Coming back from Fresno on the bus, there wasn't any room for the grapes. So we stuffed them in the bass horn. (laughs) Well, that's all right, but what happened to all them grapes? Well, you know what a long trip it was from Fresno, and you know how hot and muggy it was inside that bus? Well, naturally, Mother Nature took a hand. What do you mean? Well, just step over the bass horn here. You press the first valve down. Care for a glass of Muscatel? Wait a minute, Elliot. This is a violation of the federal revenue law. You're practically operating a still. I know. We're thinking of selling it to the Manischewitz Company. (laughs) They can call it Wurlitzer juice. (laughs) Well, now I know what's wrong with this band. We got to spend more time in this rehearsal hall. Okay, guys, the five minutes is up. Get back on the bandstand. Okay, get ready, fellas. All right. We take it from the top. One, two. No, no, no. Now watch me. What do you think I got this stick for? Now watch me, will you? Here we go again. One, two. What's going on here? Look, Smaltzy, why do you keep playing that extra note? You were speaking to me, Professor Harris? Yes, I'm speaking to you. A thing like this can lead to ruin. We're really starting to ride, man, ride, and what happens? Some square like you starts reading the music. (laughs) What do you want to do, wreck my whole musical career? Professor Harris... I just want to say, if you didn't play like this where I come from... Oh, you're going to start telling me about music now. Where do you come from? Stitzelberg. Where's Stitzelberg? There's Stitzelberg. Don't cough, it's in Germany. Well, where'd you get that horn? Didn't you hear of the Marshall Plan? 
We <laughs> <laughs> all got him. news for you, Smaltzy. You don't know how to play it. I never heard wait, such... Wait, wait. You are, you are standing there telling me I am not familiar with a flugelhorn? <laughs> this is Professor Harris. In all of Germany, nobody can flugel like I can flugel. <laughs> Look, Smaltzy, that might be all right, but you don't dig our stuff. Mr. Harris, for your information, ever since I was a little boy in Germany... I have studied under my papa. <laughs> when he sat down and played the Steinway, he was the idol of Ludendorff, the toast of Wiesbaden, the darling of Pilsenklaut. <laughs> Sounds like sort of a sauerkraut liberace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but what a beautiful picture he created when he was playing, with a soft light on his face. You mean a lighted candelabra? No, he just set fire to a large Wiener schnitzel. <laughs> Look, fellas, will you break it up? This is all very interesting, but we got to whip this band into shape. Now, listen, Smaltz. I'm not sure what's lousing up the band. It could be somebody in the rhythm section. And I know it's not the piano player, because he's had his thumb stuck between C-sharp and D for a month. <laughs> and the drummer's playing real good since he found his other stick. <laughs> Now, it can't be Elliot's guitar playing because we hid his guitar. <laughs> you did? No wonder I'm wearing out my vest. <laughs> Don't interrupt. Now, Smaltz, the only thing left is you and your bass horn. And I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to know if you can really play that thing. Do a little solo for me. Okay, Professor. Make this the downbeat. Right. of Muscatel. <laughs> Look, this rehearsal is hopeless. Fellas, you're dismissed. You can all go home. Well, I've gone over these books twice now, Elliot, and I don't see how the band can get out of the red unless something real big starts to happen. Yeah. I can remember when we were in demand. What happened? I don't know. Sometimes I get hello, to think hello. of... Hello, Anybody here? Oh, hello, honey. Hi, Alice. Well, what is this? Sitting here in this dim rehearsal hall. Wait, I'll light the light. There. That's better. Now, why are you looking so sad? Oh, it's a band again, Alice. We're going nowhere fast. I can't figure out what's the matter. I've tried well, every... Well, now, look. If you don't mind a little criticism, Phil, there's a new trend in music now. Like Hugo Winterholler's music. He uses lots of stringed instruments... And he employs them legato and allegretto. Well, let him employ them legato and allegretto. <laughs> I've got Calvetti, Mandello, Bardinelli, and Giovanni. <laughs> Every guy in my brass section is Italian. <laughs> when 
When I holler goombar, it means something. You don't understand, Phil. An orchestra like Henry Renee's plays beautiful songs like Ebb Tide or Ruby or Moonlight in Vermont. And just look at the songs you do. Fingerprints on the butter. <laughs> hands across the live bait tank. <laughs> and push up the wall, bed mother. I'm staying at the Y tonight. <laughs> and don't forget the ever popular, I'm dancing with tears in my eyes because my eyeballs are too tight. <laughs> Yeah, that's my kind of music <laughs> Hey, Elliot Sir? Hand me that copy of Variety Let's see what the other bands are doing Yeah, here you are, Curly Let me see now Oh, here it is Orchestras Now, let me see now Red Nichols and his five pennies Have just completed a recording session For RCA Victor Wingy Manone packing them in The Waldorf Cellar <laughs> Wait a minute, what's this? Drama Quartet Breaks All Records at Civic Auditorium. Hey, what kind of jazz do them cats play? Well, Phil, the Drama Quartet is not a band. It's a theatrical group including Agnes Moorhead, Charles Boyer, Sir Cedric Hardwick, and Charles Lawton. No kidding. Sure. In the theater, there's a big return to the classics. Says it right here in Variety. Lawrence Olivier in his 16th week with Hamlet. And Tyrone Power is on tour with John Brown's Body. John Brown's body Who books that act? Digger Odell? <laughs> no, Curly, the drama quartet's a new gimmick in show business All they do is sit on the stage and read the works of famous authors Like uh, Edgar Allan Poe, Ralph Waldo Emerson, George Bernard Shaw You know, the classic Well, is that all there is to it? That's a cinch We can do that Hell. You're going to read the classics? Well, why not? We'll combine my music with that high-class literature. I can see that sign on front of the Civic Auditorium now. Tonight, Phil Harris and Gut Bucket Shakespeare. <laughs> You gotta take your girly to the movies If you can't make love at home There's no little brother there who always squeals You can say an awful lot in seven reels Take your lessons at the movies And have love scenes of your own When the picture's over and it's time to leave Don't forget to brush the powder off your sleeve Take your girly to the movies If you can't make love at home Beatrice Fairfax gives advice To anyone in love that's why Johnny Gray wrote to her one day. When I call to love my girl, her folks are always there. That's why I'm blue, what shall I do? And Beatrice said, never despair. You gotta take that girly to the movies if you can't make love at home. 
Pick a cozy corner where it's nice and dark. Don't catch influenza kissing in the park. Take your lessons at the movies and have love scenes of your own. Though she's just a simple little ribbon clerk, close your eyes and think you're kissing Billy Bird. Take your girly to the movies if you can't make love at home. Well, there you are, Elliot. That finishes up the last costume. Thanks, Alice. You've done a wonderful job. I've been busy, too. I not only rented the place where we're going to do the show, but I had the tickets printed and I sold every one of them. Yeah, but, you know, I never will understand how those tickets sold so fast. Well, when I had them printed, I used a little psychology. I put them on red cardboard. Oh? That always attracts the eye. And then I had the foresight to change Curly's name a little bit. Oh, you mean you gave it dignity by printing it Philip Harris? No, I played it smart by spelling it Ronald Coleman. <laughs> oh, fine. I suppose I'm Rita Hayworth. Oh, no, Alice. You're a big star in your own right. Thank you. But I figure there's a lot of people who don't remember you, so to be on the safe side, I changed your name to Pinky Lee. <laughs> but, of course, these are minor factors when you consider that from this small beginning we might work up a Shakespearean repertoire that will establish... Anybody home? I brought the groceries! Hi. Hello, Julius. Miss Fader, there's something I want to tell you. Every night when I'm coming home from work, there's been a light burning in the library. And way past midnight. Mm, yeah, I know. This last week, Mr. Harris has been spending most of his time in the library. What's the matter? Did he forget which book he put it behind? <laughs> Julius, for your information, Mr. Harris has been working day and night rewriting Shakespeare. Rewriting Shakespeare? Ha! <laughs> Miss Fadis may be it. My uncle knows a judge who can have him committed. <laughs> this guy's head is coming unscrewed. <laughs> this is a good excuse to get rid of him, Miss Faye. Come and fly with me into the sunset. No, no, I'm afraid not, Julius. You see... Then you... when you go to the theater with me tonight, I got the tickets right here in me change place. Please, Miss Faye, go with me. It's gonna be a swell show. Two stars on the same bill. Ronald Coleman and Pinky Lee. <laughs> Julius, those tickets you've got, are they on red cardboard? Yeah. Oh, there you are. Julius, don't look now, but here comes Ronald Coleman. <laughs> hey, what do you mean? Well, Julius, there was a little mistake in printing the tickets. The show you're really going to see doesn't have Ronald Coleman. It stars Phil Harris. I've been stabbed! <laughs> You don't get nervous. I got a job for you. We got to be at the theater in an hour, and we got a lot of props and costumes and things. And if you'll take us there in your truck, I'll give you five bucks. No. Oh, please, Julius. If you don't help us out, we're going to be late. Five bucks, okay? Do I have to stay there and watch your act? No. In that case, I'll do it for two bucks. <laughs> Elliot, how far out in the country is this theater? We've been driving for a long time here. We got I know, but we just couldn't afford the Civic Auditorium, so I found another place. It's a... Uh, well, it's a barn. <laughs> a 
Bob! Now, relax, Curly. You've got to start out on a small scale. Hey, there's the joint now. See the picture of you I had put up on the side of the barn? Yeah. Yeah, that's just swell. <laughs> I'm right between Dr. Pierce's magical discovery and the Bull Durham Bull. <laughs> Where? Right there. I'm the one that's smiling. <laughs> this is it, Julius. Okay, we're here. Now, where's my toolbox? You just help unload the truck first, and we'll take care of you then. Attaboy. Come on inside the barn, Curly. You're really going to be surprised how I've converted this place into a real little theater. You'd never know it was a barn. But, Mr. Stebbins, uh, I don't see how you could make a mistake about the day that we were going to put on a show. You told me on the phone everything was ready for us, Mr. Stebbins. Well, don't get all excited. I figured it was for tomorrow night, but don't make much difference. <laughs> all the seats ain't in yet, but I figured the folks can sit on them bales of hay. <laughs> and of course, I ain't had a chance to move the animals yet, but won't matter much. <laughs> As long as you're going to put the show on tonight, I reckon I'll have little woman get on the party line and call up some of the folks around here and have them come. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> made it, but it was uphill all the way. Oh, my gosh, there are some cars starting to arrive outside. Look, Mr. Stebbins, will you see that the people find some place to sit? Oh, sure, Sonny, don't worry. I'll take care of <laughs> Oh, that reminds me. It'll be old Bessie's milking time pretty soon, but won't interfere with your show, none. See you later. <laughs> well, we better get this show started. Everybody know their parts? Yes, I know mine, but where's my veil? Oh, here you are, honey. Hey, Curly, where's my sword? Here. Where's my toolbox? Will you keep quiet? <laughs> now, Julius, just pull the curtain. Elliot, you go out ahead and make that opening announce. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tonight, we inaugurate the first in a series of modernized versions of Shakespeare. Uh, tonight's effort is one of the Bard's famous tragedies, Romeo and Juliet. And now to the play. It opens in a beautiful moonlit garden. The soft night caresses Juliet's fair cheek as she waits on the balcony for her true lover. She speaks. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Ah. Uh. Methinks I dost detect thee there in the shadows. What a feast for mine eyes thou art, O Romeo. Is it verily thou? Is it truly thou? Yea, it's Mal. <laughs> I am here below in the garden with my manservant. Approach me then, O Romeo that I may see thy features more closely. Ah, Juliet, thou wishes my command. I approach thee. (laughs) 
Fine place for a fish pond. <laughs> steady now, Curly, steady. This next speech is your big one. I'm okay, I'm okay. Ah, <clears throat> oh, Juliet, though misfortunes may overtake me, Oh, stay, I... thy sweet speech is Romeo, for I deserve them not. Though misfortunes may overtake... Oh, verily, I of ladies most deject, <laughs> and wretched that sip the honey of each music bow now. See that noble and sovereign reason. Though misfortunes like may Like sweet or... bells dangle out of tune and hearts blasted with ecstasy. Verily, I am a lady most deject and wretched. How do you like that? She's going in business for herself. <laughs> oh, Romeo, I fear for thy safety. Perhaps even now my angry father pursues thee. Methinks I hear something now. What is that I hear? Hark? Hark? <laughs> no matter how far they roam, they always come home. <laughs> Mr. Stebbins, will you please keep out of this? Coming, Bessie, coming. How sweet the moonlight sleeps upon this bank. Tis true, verily, that the quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven. <laughs> what light through yonder window breaks? and Phil will be back in just a moment. Nineteen forty-six, RCA Victor Know-How creates America's first post-war table model TV, and every year since, RCA Victor has put more TV sets into American homes than any other maker. Nineteen fifty-four, RCA Victor combines the industry's greatest research and production facilities to bring you the Master Twenty-One. America's most wanted 21-inch television at the lowest price in history. Only $199.95. Think of it. RCA Victor 21-inch television for as little as $199.95. Here is television with all the famous RCA Victor TV features. Here is RCA Victor quality at a price everyone can afford. It's at your dealers now. The Master 21 by RCA Victor. First in television. This is Phil again. They say that a friend is someone who knows all about you, but likes you anyway. That's the kind of a friend a boy in trouble needs. This year, on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of the Big Brother movement, won't you join with thousands of others who volunteer their time and interest in the future of a boy? Be a big brother to some needy kid. Write Big Brothers of America, Philadelphia 3, Pennsylvania. Thank you. And good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed was Bill Thompson. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. 
This has been an NBC Radio Network presentation. Recognize that band? Or this one? They play America's most danceable music. They're the bands of Ralph Flanagan and Buddy Morrow. For a list of every record these popular bands have made, ask your dealer for a free copy of RCA Victor's special Flanagan and Morrow record booklet. Now, here's John Cameron Swayze and the news on the NBC Radio Network. Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1943-1944 season. Tonight's episode gives us a little tease of the Horn Blows at Midnight. It would still be a year off before Horn Blows at Midnight would come out. Jack's final film, and uh, it's not even mentioned in tonight's episode other than the fact that Jack introduces um, the actress that is also in the film uh, as an actress who's in the new film that Jack's going to be putting out. He doesn't actually mention the film's name. And that actress is Alexis Smith. And Alexis Smith might not be that familiar to folks, but she was in films for six decades. Uh, that's a long time to be in film. And uh, her, some of the people she appeared with, this is a really interesting list. I couldn't believe it when I looked through this. Uh, she appeared, her last film was in 1993, The Year of Her Death, and that was directed by Martin Scorsese, and that was The Age of Innocence. But she'd appeared with, uh, in film, with Burt Lancaster. She did a film with Walter Matthau, one with Jodie Foster, one with Kirk Douglas, one with Paul Newman. She did a film with Bob Hope. Uh, she did one with William Holden. She did a film with Bing Crosby. She did four films with Errol Flynn. She did a, a film with Clark Gable. Um, she did two films with Humphrey Bogart. She did, she did a film with Cary Grant, that one's night and day. She did um, Here's Conflict with Humphrey Bogart, another Earl Flynn one. She appeared with somebody named Jack Benny. I'm not sure. He must uh, have been a small time. I think he was a star of radio or something. Uh, she appeared with Frederick March in The Adventures of Mark Twain. Uh, her big first film break, where she was the featured actress, was Dive Bomber with Errol Flynn. Um, the the movie that's mentioned the most here is the movie that came out right before um, it, it was her most recent film, I believe, from 1943. Was the Constant Nymph um, might have different connotations now, but anyway, the Constant Nymph is interesting because she played like the second female lead, and that film uh, was. Um, person who owned the rights to it uh, said that it could only be shown at universities. So for 70 years it was never 
never had a showing. It was never available. Uh, in 2011, TCM showed it at like their uh, one of their movie premiere, where they show uh, some a bunch of restored films, and now it's available on it's on the Warner uh, Archive Collection, and it's been available since November of 2011. So interesting stuff. Anyway, I hope you enjoy uh, this performance that she gives with Jack. I don't believe she comes on until closer to the end of the episode. Uh, anyway, enjoy this great wartime episode with Jack and the gang and guest um, Alexis Smith. And we'll see you next time. The Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes program coming to you from the Marine Corps Air Station at El Toro, California and starring Jack Benny. With Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Here's a portrait of a man talking to himself. The scene is late in this man's office, and as he sits there shuffling papers, he says, Oh, um, now it's 11 a.m. Certainly seems like a year since breakfast, and it seems like another year to lunch. In fact, will lunchtime ever come around? Well, it serves that guy right. Because that's exactly the way time does drag out if you start the day with a sip-and-run breakfast instead of the nourishing meal you need after a fast of 10 or 12 hours. What's more, dietitians tell us the adequate breakfast should include a cereal with whole-grain nourishment. So feature Grape Nuts Flakes. Here are two distinctive, multi-rich cereals that certainly do supply whole-grain nourishment. And they also supply something else. Genuine appetite enjoyment, really distinctive flavor. Grape nuts, crisp and crunchy. Grape nuts flakes, tempting, toasty brown flakes. Yes, friends, eat a good breakfast, do a better job. And don't miss out on those two swell-tasting cereals, Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes. gentlemen, from the air station at El Toro, California, home of the rough, tough fighting Marines, we bring you a civilian, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, where do you get that stuff introducing me as a civilian? Can't you recognize a Marine when you see one? But, Jack... Look, Don, how many hairs have I got on my head? Three. There, there you are. I'm a sergeant. <laughs> Count them. But, Jack, if you're a Marine, how come you're not wearing a uniform? Because this is Sunday and it's my day off. <laughs> That's how come. Now, wait a minute, Jack. What are you talking about? There are thousands of Marines stationed here. Why haven't they got a day off? Don, they were offered a day off, but they saw the town of El Toro and voted against it. <laughs> anyway, Don, the whole thing started with your... Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. How are you? 
well, listen to that. Say, Mary, Jack and I have been talking about the camp here. How do you like being at a Marine station? Oh, it's all right, but it's the last time I'll ever go off in an aeroplane with one of these aviators. Now, Mary, that isn't a nice thing to say. Oh, no? As soon as we got behind a cloud, he tried to kiss me. <laughs> well, what do you know? A flying wolf. <laughs> he... <laughs> He tried to kiss you, huh? Yeah, but I wouldn't let him, so he threw off the parachute. Well, what's wrong with that? I was wearing it. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Gee, Mary, you mean to say that you really made a parachute jump? Yes, and was I embarrassed? I pulled the wrong string. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, Mary, you've got to admit that these marine flyers certainly are romantic. I'll say. Even the automatic pilot tried to put his arms around me. <laughs> now, Mary... Huh? The minute I got in the plane, the needles on the instrument board spelled out, You'll be sorry! <laughs> now, Mary... <laughs> Mary, listen, I happen to know that you went up with an ace, Colonel John Smith, and you said... And you said you never felt so safe in all your life. Sure, but he couldn't get the plane up any higher than 73 feet. He, he couldn't? No, next time he's going to leave his medals off. <laughs> hey. You know, they do have a lot of, they do have a lot of medals around here, don't they? One fellow followed me over here. I thought it was a good humor wagon. <laughs> oh, I, I really did. Huh? Say, Mary, Mary, that plane you went up in, was it a Corsair? A Corsair? Yes, one of those planes with wings that fold up. Oh, are the, uh, are the wings supposed to fold up like that? Sure. Gee, and I thought they were saluting Colonel Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I... Say, Don. Don, did you meet Colonel Fox? What a great guy he is. Look, you know, the minute I arrived here this morning, he ran over, grabbed me by the shoulders... And said, straighten up. <laughs> He did not He said that when he put his knee in my back <laughs> Anyway, he's one of the nicest Well, look who's here Say, fellas I know that Alice Faye is one of your favorite pinup girls We can't bring you the pin But here's the guy she's stuck with <laughs> Phil Harris <laughs> Thank you Thanks, fellas Thanks very much Say, Phil, Phil, they like you here, don't they? I'll say they do, and you want to know something? They're nuts about Alice, too. I know. Huh? You know what they gave me when I came in here this morning? A marine flag to take home. Well. And look what it says on it. What? Something for Alice. That's Semper Fidelis! <laughs> something for Alice. Semper Fidelis, Phil. Oh, brother. Phil, Semper Fidelis is Latin. Oh, that new language, huh? Yeah. They started it last week in El Toro. They a new language. Hey, Jackson, I've heard a lot about that town, that El Toro. You know, I think I'll go out and see that town. Okay. So long. So long. Say, Mary. Well, I saw it. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
So, so quick? It's a pretty small place, isn't it, Phil? Yeah, I'd have been back sooner, but the wind was against me. <laughs> oh. No kidding. Is El Toro really that small? Small? They had to widen the street before they could put the white line down the middle. <laughs> So I heard. Well, that's funny. It looked like an industrious little place to me. When I passed by, I saw Bottle Works. Bottle Works, nothing. That's where my boys threw their empties on the way in. <laughs> well, that's where you ought to throw your boys on the way out. <laughs> anyway, as long as they're here, how about a band number? Okay. What are you going to play, Phil? I don't know, Jackson. Let's wait till it's over, and then your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> that's what I thought. Well, go ahead. Hold it a minute. Come in. Mr. Harris? Yes. Were you looking for something to take home to Alice? Yes, I was. Well, let's get going. I've only got a three-hour pass. <laughs> this must be his day off, too. Please, Toro Tomcats playing your guess is as good as mine from the quiz program of the same name. And now, fella... Hey, Jackson, look here. Now, why are you always panning my band? Because they don't know one note from another. Oh, what are you talking about? If those guys ain't great musicians, I'll eat their shirts. Oh, boy, do you protect yourself. You know they haven't got any. <laughs> great musicians. Yeah, great musicians. Now, you take Frankie, my guitar player. Now, he knows more about music than Oscar Levant. What? Yeah, Frankie was on Information Please twice. Now, when it comes to music, he can identify anything. Hey, Frankie, come up here a minute, will you? Okay. Now, get this, Jackson. Play something, Lou. That's enough. Okay, Frankie, what was it? Can I hear it again? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Okay, Frankie, what was it? A piano. 
I'll be. Phil, what's so wonderful about him recognizing a piano? He plays guitar. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, Phil, I found out how Frankie started his musical career. How? One day he was scratching his stomach and somebody slipped a guitar in his lap. <laughs> That's how. Well, all my boys started from scratch. <laughs> Oh, Filthy, you're too clever to be in the musical world. <laughs> well, if you don't get shot after a gag like that, the Marines are out to lunch. <laughs> so cut it out. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction... Oh, say, Jack. Yes, Don? I just thought of something revolutionary, never heard of in radio before. Really, Don? Yes, a one-word commercial. Just one word? What is it? Grape nuts. Well, Don, do you think our sponsor will stand for a one-word commercial? See, that's the only part of the program he listens to. <laughs> you know. But the word grape nuts is all you need. Everybody knows they're toasty brown and sweet as a nut. They know that without you even hinting about it, you mean? Sure, and they also know that grape nuts bring you concentrated nourishment, so it takes only five or six teaspoons for an ample serving. Well, then I guess one word is enough. <laughs> Why, certainly, to say they're not rationed is superfluous. So why tell them about something they already know? Oh, you're right, Don. You're right, kid. <laughs> one-word commercial is enough, isn't it, Mary? Yeah, but the way that one word spread, he ought to get a girdle for it. <laughs> you said it. And now, fellas... Say, Mr. Benny, I was just up in a plane with one of those marine pilots Oh, and... oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Say, Mr. Benny, I was just up in a plane with one of those marine pilots. And... How, how are you, kid? Oh, I'm fine. That's good. Uh, what, uh, what were you saying, Dennis? He said he was up in a plane with a marine pilot. Oh. It's dangerous to go up in an airplane. You know what happened to my uncle? What? Well, he was up 5,000 feet in the air. Yeah. And the pilot said, I think I'll go into a bank. Uh-huh. So my uncle said, I think I'll go into a drugstore and stepped out of the plane. <laughs> Your, uh, your uncle, huh? Boy, was he mad. <laughs> well, I don't blame him. Yeah, the drugstore was closed. <laughs> Look, Dennis, forget about your uncle. And by the way, kid, thanks for driving me up here this morning. You're welcome. Uh, Dennis drove you up here? How come he didn't bring Rochester? Oh, I'm punishing him. He's got to stay in the house for three days. Well, what did he do now? Well, he tried to sell my camel to the cavalry. He told him it, told him it was a horse. But, but Jack, a camel has two humps on top. I know. He told them they were twin turrets. <laughs> anyway, I'm not letting him out of the house till Wednesday. Say, I think I'll call up and check on him. Give me that phone, Mary. Here you are. You ought to be ashamed of yourself treating Rochester like a prisoner. Never mind. Number, please. Operator, give me Beverly Hills, Crestview 6, 7071. One moment, please. If he's escaped, he's going to get it. Believe me. Mr. Benny's residence, convict number 80462. <laughs> Rochester, this is Mr. Benny. Oh, oh, oh! Oh, hello, one! <laughs> Rochester, what are you doing? Three days, ain't that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> 
I certainly did, and I hope this is teaching you a lesson. Yes, sir. Now, are you eating bread and water like I told you to? Yes, boss. It goes swell with the ham and eggs. <laughs> ham and eggs? Rochester. There goes my parole. <laughs> Never mind that, and keep the shade down. You're in solitary confinement. Gosh, boss, my cousin gets better treatment than this, and he works for Warden Laws. Rochester, your cousin was arrested and went to jail. That's how he's working for the warden. I know, but his 10-year sentence was up three months ago. Well, why doesn't he leave? The OPA won't let him. <laughs> oh, well, I don't care about that. I'm just calling to check and see that you don't escape. Oh, I wouldn't do that, boss. I'll be with you in a minute, honey. Rochester, have you got a girl there with you? Yes, boss. Well, you get her out of that room. If I don't, the one in the closet will kill me. <laughs> Rochester, how many girls have you got there? I don't know. Some of them jumped out the window when the phone rang. <laughs> well, I'll talk to you about that when I get home. Now, goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? Can I go out for just a breath of fresh air? You don't have to, Rochester. There's an air conditioner in the house. I know, but it's fighting a losing battle with the camel. <laughs> I don't believe it. Now, goodbye. Goodbye. He's going to stay in that house for three days, and that settles it. Sing, Dennis. <laughs>
Dennis Day singing I've Had That Feeling Before and very good, Dennis. Very good. Ah, tell it to the Marines. <laughs> Dennis, I just paid you a compliment. When somebody pays you a compliment, you're supposed to say thanks. Oh. I never saw such a dope. Thanks. <laughs> stop being so silly. Oh, Jackson, why don't you stop picking on the kid? I'm not picking on him. It's about time I got a little respect around here. After all, I'm the star of this program. Oh, sure, sure. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> and not only am I the star here, but it may surprise you to know that I've just signed a new contract with Warner Brothers. Who cares? I care. Next week, I'm starting a new picture, and they let me pick my own leading lady. They let you pick her. Who'd you pick, Jackson? Oh, you want to know, huh? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Say, Phil, how are things going at Slapsy Maxie's? Oh, fine, Mary. We're doing a terrific business. I mean, we're really packing them in. I'm not going to tell you. You can ask me a million times. <laughs> it won't do you any good, so there. Say, Phil, uh, I'd like to come over and catch your show some night. What time do you go on? Well, we do a dinner show, then we do one about 10.30, and then we do another one around 12 o'clock. You can ask me until I'm gray. I won't tell you. <laughs> no, sir, I'm not going to tell you. I was over at Slapsy Maxie's last night, Mr. Harris, and the food is wonderful. Thanks, kid. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You're just wasting your time guessing. <laughs> so you might as well give up. Jack, will you please... All right, if you're going to get mad about it, my leading lady is Alexis Smith. You can't even keep a secret around here. Alexis Smith? You see, you're blabbing it around already. Anyway, fellas, is she gorgeous? Tall, blonde, and beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> Dennis, I'm not talking about you. Anyway, I love to work with those tall girls. They're just my type. Well, Jackson, if Alexis Smith is your leading lady, you really got something there. Phil, I've not only got something there, I've got something here. I brought her with me. Fellas, I want you to meet one of Warner Brothers' most glamorous stars. You've seen her in The Constant Nymph, and she'll soon appear in The Adventures of Mark Twain. And here she is, Miss Alexis Smith. Well. Well, well, Hello, Alexis. Hello, Jack. Alexis, I want to tell you how happy I am that you came down here to be on my program today. Well, Jack, I kind of misunderstood the whole thing. You told me we were just coming down here to see the boys. Well... I didn't know I was going to be on your radio program. Well... In fact, until this afternoon, I, I didn't even know you had a program. <laughs> well, that's strange. You, you listen to the radio, don't you? Yes. Well, do you ever listen to Fred Allen? Yes, quite often. Well, then you must have heard about me. <laughs> oh, are you the one that Fred Allen's always talking about? That's me. Well, if, if he's lying about you, you ought to see a lawyer. You said it. And if he's telling the truth, you ought to see a doctor. <laughs> Isn't that funny, Alexis? I don't mind anything coming from you. And am I happy that we're going to make a picture together? I always wanted a leading lady who's tall and beautiful and... Hey, Alexis, look! 
Look, look at that Marine in the fourth row. See? What about him? He's looking at me. <laughs> Thanks, Max. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Which one? Over there, the fellow holding his nose. <laughs> oh, Alexis, I want you to meet my gang. First, Don Wilson, Phil Harris, and Dennis Day. Hello, boys. Well, fellas, what do you say? I said, what do you say, not what do you think? <laughs> now, pay attention. Oh, Miss Smith. Yes, Dennis? I think you're a wonderful actress. I've seen you in all your pictures. You have? Yes, and someday I hope to see you in person. What a silly kid. But don't worry, Alexis, he's harmless. I know he is, Jack. He's just a sweet little boy, and I like little boys. Come here, Dennis, and I'll give you a kiss. <laughs> Gee, those... Those those young kids get all the breaks. Oh, Dowdy, does this great big break... <laughs> Dowdy, does this great big way to give Phil, all us little boys a kiss? I want to kiss, I want to kiss. Roll down your pants legs. You're not fooling anybody. <laughs> oh, Alexis. Alexis, I want to introduce you to our comedian. Mary, I want you to meet not only a great dramatic actress, but one of the most beautiful and charming personalities in Hollywood. Miss Alexis Smith. Hello, Mary. I bet you're as old as I am. <laughs> Mary, Alexis, don't mind her. She's always been jealous of my leading ladies. Even Cedar Barra? <laughs> oh, Smitty, you little vixen you. <laughs> Say, Alexis, may I tell you how very much I enjoyed your performance in The Constant Nymph? You did a great job in that. Thank you, Don. Oh, yes, Alexis. I thought all the love scenes between you and Charles Boyer were quite <laughs> thrilling. You know, originally they wanted me to play that part. Mr. Boyer's or mine? Mr. Boyer's, of course. <laughs> I, I could have taken his place. You couldn't take his place in a mustard bath. Oh, yeah, well, I'll show you. Alexis, let's do that scene where you're pleading with Charles Boyer for another chance. You mean the one where I'm afraid he's going to divorce me and marry Joan Fontaine? Yeah, that's the one. I'll play Charles Boyer's part, which was Lewis in the picture. And I'll play my original role of his wife, Florence. Yeah, I just loved your English accent. Gee, I can remember that one scene so vividly. It just held the audience spellbound as you faced your husband, grasping at the last straw of happiness. Music, please. <laughs> Oh, shut up! Now, come on, let's try again. Lewis, I want to talk to you. I'm very sorry about the roses, Lewis, but I thought you were the one who sent them to me. Florence, I know so well how you must have fared. And do you know how I feel now that you're going away? Take me with you. I'll go anywhere, anywhere you say. Well... 
Well. If he says El Toro, I'll shoot him. Quiet. Florence, I cannot let you say things like this. I mean it. I'm honest and I love you. The fact that I haven't completely understood you hasn't been all my fault because I've tried. And all the, all the time I've had the feeling that I was succeeding. And all the time I've had the feeling that I was succeeding. Pip, pip. <laughs> Mary, stop her. You are attractive, Florence. You are young. You deserve so much more than I can ever be to you. I understand, Louis. You don't want me anymore. Give me another chance. I'm begging you. Gee. Look at me, Louis. <laughs> don't tell me what's in your mind just now. I don't think I could stand it. Gosh. Louis, <laughs> you're going away for a while. You might miss me. I'll wait for you. And that will give us a chance to know how much we mean to each other. She's wonderful. It is no use, Florence. It can never be. I have thought it over. And all I can... Ah, say... shut up! <laughs> Dennis, what's the matter with you? I am so sorry. I lose my temper. Now, stop that nonsense. Phil, will you take that kid out of here? It will be a pleasure. What's the matter with you guys? I don't care what you think of my acting. We're going to finish this scene. Come on, Alexis. All right. But, Jack, you only have ten seconds left. I don't care. Come on, Alexis. Make it quick. Louis, I want to talk Maria. to you. I'm very sorry about the quick, roses, quick, Louis, but I thought you'd sent them Florence, to me. I don't know what I mean. Florence, I don't And you know how I feel now that you're going away. Louis, I'll go anywhere, be anything, do anything. Florence, I can't let you say things like that. I mean, if I'm honest, I love you the best. What are you? What are you? Please, please, Hot Grape Nut Sweet Meal for me, for me, the favorite hot cereal of my family. Then, lady, for value that can't be beat, get the giant new package of this cereal treat. Yes, ma'am, Hot Grape Nut Sweet Meal now comes in a giant new...